promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. Don't regret this, Lord. I'm a wonderful person. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones, and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Amen. Well, church, this is the uh, text that we call the Magnificat, or the Song of Mary. Uh, I, I'm, I'm doing that instead of Psalm uh, 111, which would be our psalm for this coming Sunday, because uh, this is an alternative option. As, as we are making our way towards Christmas, this is the song that Mary sings after her visit with Elizabeth, when Elizabeth basically confirms what it is that Gabriel has said to her. That Elizabeth says that the baby leaped in my womb when, when uh, it heard your voice, and when I heard the voice of the mother of my Savior. And then Mary makes this song, makes this psalm, uh, makes this prayer unto God, this praise unto God, and, and, and it begins with, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, or my soul magnifies the Lord. That's, that's why we, we, it's called the Magnificat. It's the first word of, of the uh, canticle that would be sung in church. The, the Latin church made it really easy <laughs> back when the Roman church used Latin. Uh, everything uh, basically just, it was, its name was the first word or words that were part of the, the song, the canticle the psalm. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. It's a beautiful line. The, the, the idea that she has been blessed, graced with this opportunity to be theotokos, be mother of God into the, uh, into the world. She is the one who, who brings forth the Christ child, bears God in her womb, something that's very difficult for us Protestants to tend to connect with, but Luther had no issue with it. This notion that she is the one, she is the God-bearer, and yet her heart turns towards God to speak of God in a way that we should be speaking, proclaiming the greatness of the Lord, rejoicing in God, my Savior. She even saw in the child that she was bearing the 
this work of God as savior for his people, as redeemer, as the one who buys his people back from sin, death, and the devil. And here Mary is the one that begins by saying that. She says, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. He has, he has graced me. He's given me this gift. It's not something that I've earned, but it's something that I've been given, she says. From this day, all generations will call me blessed, which we should. She, it, it, not calling her, you know, the, the uh, co-redemptrix, as, as some uh, folks in a particular church want to say, that somehow she was part of the redemption of the world. Uh, but as much to say that she has been blessed by God, that God has done something outside of her onto her. And this blessing is the fact that she gets to be the bearer of the Christ child. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Notice all the emphasis is on God, of what God has done. She's not tooting her own horn at all. She's saying this is all God's doing. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation, those who, who turn to him, those who, who know that they have nothing without him. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. The idea of a, a team playing a sport. Well, we'll say soccer. My, my son had a soccer match other day. He's got another one coming up here today. Um, a team gets cocky. They get very prideful. They start to think that they're awesome and then they start to lose the plot as far as what is happening from the other team because they get too big of a head. They get too grand for their own understanding. And here God comes to take the prideful, take the ones who are not able to bend the knee for the Christ child, the ones who are not able to realize that in that child, that baby born, Jesus Christ, born of Mary, born of the Virgin, is the one who has come to redeem you. That you can't do it on your own, that God has done it and had to do it. And you have no choice in the matter. He didn't consult you. He scatters us when we get that way causes us to find no prideful place in ourselves so that we might turn back to him and receive from him what it is that we need, which is his favor, which is his mercy, as she's talking about here. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly, making it realize that all the power that we possibly think we could ever have all the offices we think we could ever hold in this world, all the titles that we think we could get are nothing. We die and they go away. But here in our lowly estate, we are found to be nothing. Then we have everything because we get Christ instead of thinking that we need something else. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. That's a hard line that, that to, to imagine that when we are truly hungry, when we are truly starving, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, for instance, Christ comes and fills us with that. That doesn't mean that he gives us an overabundance to the point that we're going to walk around with a big fat belly. He means he gives us what he needs when we're hungry and when we are in need. But he says that the rich he has sent away empty. He's meaning that those whose pride is in their possessions, those whose pride is in those things, He's going to send them away empty because when they die, they aren't going, they're not going to have some Viking horde 
They're going to have nothing. And so we are called to turn towards Christ, turn towards God in that reality. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy. Promise is a big thing for us as Lutherans. We hold to the fact that God has said something. He said he is going to do something. And then what our faith does is it attaches itself to that promise to say that I trust you, God. I believe you to be trustworthy, that you are going to do what you say you are going to do. And then eventually we find out that he has, and he will, and he will continue to do it. That is where our faith lies, trusting in a promise, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. This connection to what it is that God has made promises down through history, through the life of Israel, and now for us. This should be your prayer, church. This is actually a, a constant canticle that we have in our evening prayer service. That, that's actually what I'm reading out of is, is my hymnal. I'm not reading out of the, the Bible. I'm reading out of the, the section dealing with evening prayer. And it's been a constant part of the evening prayer service for centuries, if not a millennia or more. That every night you, you conclude your evening by making these proclamations. And it becomes a sermon to you to say that, yes, let's magnify the Lord together. Let's, let's rejoice in him as our savior. Let's, let's, let's live within his grace and his mercy that's handed to us from this day forth and forever. Let's realize that all things come from him and are through him and that we need him every hour. Let's hand ourselves over to that, knowing that he is going to be that for us forever. And that's what we receive in Christ. Mary's singing this before she's going to be giving birth, knowing that the culmination of all that is proclaimed there comes in the Christ child, the one whom we magnify, who we glorify, who we say he is all things for us. That is the one that we lean on, and that is the one that we need to cling to. Let us pray. Stir up, O Lord, we beseech thee, thy power and come, and with great might relieve us, that by the help of thy grace whatsoever is hindered by our sins may be speedily accomplished through thy mercy and satisfaction, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Well, church, go in peace, serve the Lord, and we'll see you tomorrow. Happy Advent.